And so if you're a lady that shows up, you can still pray, but you're going to have to stay in the yard. <laughs> and so this is where men are going to get together and get real and pray with one another. Come on, brothers. That's what we're going to do. Oh, it's on the 13th. And then the next Saturday, that's when the feminine ladies show up. There's going to be lots of uh, lace and spice and all that stuff will be in here. And brothers, if you show up, you're not even allowed on the campus. You got to go. So you just get in your car and go. And go find you a road somewhere to pray on because these women are going to be here and not be bothered by men. And then we're going to close this um, time with a worship dinner on uh, January 24th. If you plan on coming to this, if you could register, go online and register for it. And it, there's no charge for it. Um, you pay for it with your tithes and offerings. But it helps us not to waste your tithes and offerings if we know how many people are coming. We want not to over-purchase the food. And this is a great time. What we'll do is we'll get here early before... Uh, the evening and then about you know 5 or 5.30 we'll open it up families will come in we'll eat together hang out fellowship and then we'll have a worship night together and then we're off and running in 2024 at Christian Life Church I'm so excited about this upcoming year I hope that you are too everybody also uh, this is the time of year where it's always good uh, so, sorry we got a lot of housekeeping to do for the church family okay so if you are visiting just give me a minute. I'm going to teach the word in just a second. But, you know, at this time of the year, we always uh, are preparing your giving statements uh, because we want, to, we want you to have access for tax purposes uh, for what you gave. And also we will be sending you a report on the uh, income that's come in the church. And so it'd be good for us if you would update any type of uh, personal information. And you see there's the opportunity for you to do it. You see how to do that there. It'd be good for us to know uh, if you move somewhere um, or your phone number's changed or something like that. So we do this every year. If you need any help with that, just find one of our team members and we'll be glad to help you with that, okay? And another thing, since I forgot to mention this. Last week I was in Louisiana visiting my family and so we had the, the last Sunday here of the year and Landon introduced this little project during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're praying for people that we love and know that don't know the Lord, that, um, that this would be a year for opportunities for them to hear the gospel, uh, maybe even hear your story and come to Christ. I just really believe that this is a year of salvations for Christian Life Church. I have faith for this. I've, the Lord's really put this on my heart. In fact, if you're away from God or you've been you know, on the fringe and haven't really decided to, to fully surrender your life uh, to uh, the Lord, man, this is the year to do it. Yeah. And so what we are encouraging you to do is to pick up one of these cards, put a name here, and during this month, you'll be praying for that person. And, uh, and this is something we'll be visiting all throughout the year. So there, some of these cards are available back on the, by the offering boxes just on the back wall. And you can pick them up if you didn't or if you need some extras. We're praying about these. Uh, I'm, I'm carrying mine around and every time I think about it, I pull it out and I pray for the people that are on my, on my list. Uh, speaking about offering, 
Um, as opportunities for you to give today, as always, you see the ways that you can give. Most people give on the app. Some people still write checks and they drop them in the offering boxes on that back wall. Um, a lot of you just do the transaction online. We like to highlight it because I never want your giving to be something that is just so secondary that it's not celebrated. God loves cheerful givers. And so we talk about it every Sunday, and people are like, well, why do you talk about it every Sunday? Everybody knows what to do. Because this is an important act part of our worship. Just like we sing to the Lord, we give to God. And he gives back. Amen? He does. And uh, so this is how you can give. And, and also, in December, you know, we've been challenging church for several years to make a special offering where we would all come together with equal sacrifice and contribute to what we call the legacy offering. And we close this year out. My commitment to you is that in, in this upcoming year, whatever is given to that offering goes right into ministry, uh, local, globally, in our church family, next generation. We don't spend it on salary. We don't spend it on improvements. And there's a lot of things that we need around here. In fact, this year, we have to, you know, the, you know just like you own a piece of property, you have to do maintenance on it. You know, anybody ever had to replace your HVAC system on your house? It's expensive, huh? Well, this is the year we have to do it for Christian life. And I'm like, oh, Lord. This is why it was so important for us years ago to get out of debt so I wouldn't have to be coming to you and say, we so poor. Can you please give some money for us to buy an air conditioner? We're going to do it this year, everybody, and it's thousands and thousands of dollars. Why, why am I saying that? Because we're not going to use the money you gave for the legacy offering to put into the maintenance of the building. That comes from your tithes and offerings. We maintain that everything that you've given is going right into ministry. It's not going into maintenance. It's not going into my salary. I'm not getting a new car, doggone it. It's going right into ministry, everybody. And how many of you want to know how we finish the year with the legacy offering? All right, let's, let's put it up on the screen, everybody. I just, I just thank you for being so generous at Christian Life. Just thank you for that. You know, the, the, the money that some of you gave and you wanted to go right all into global missions. And I'm thankful for that. I'll be talking to you about our global missions outreach, even something that's happening next week. I'll be talking to you about it at the end of the service. We're celebrating what God has done. And I put that number up because God loves a cheerful giver and I want you to have a little bit of cheer knowing that what we can do together when we all cooperate together. A little becomes a lot when we work together and, and, and lives are being changed because of it. Can you say amen? amen? All right, I'm ready to teach. I'll, if you have your Bible or you want to access it on the phone or on your um, device, whatever you're using, go to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians, this is a New Testament book, the book of Colossians chapter 4. I want to read to you verses 2 through verse um, 6. Now this is important. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of a backdrop here. Paul is in prison. He's writing to the church in Colossae, which is just east of Ephesus in Macedonia. 
And he has not visited this church, but he's heard about their incredible faith and he knows lots of people that are part of this congregation and those that helped found this church. And while he's in prison waiting for trial in Rome, he's hearing that there's this goofy um, doctrine that is undermining the deity of Christ. That some people are teaching that Jesus didn't come in the flesh and that he was kind of like a mirage and he wasn't who he said he was. And this is one of the most powerful theologically sound books. It's, it, it really, if you read through it, you'll see where Paul talks about the superiority of Christ and the authenticity of that he was God in the flesh. I talked about that at the end of, uh, of December. We're not going to repeat that. But what, is, what struck me when I was reading through uh, the letter to the Colossians was in chapter 1, Paul spends almost the first half of the entire chapter telling them how much he's praying for them. In prison, I'm praying for you. He goes over and over and over. Um, he says, I, I'm praying that you be filled with knowledge and spiritual understanding. In other words, I, I, I pray that for our congregation too, that God would open up the ears of your spirit and the knowledge of the spirit would come alive inside of you. He prays also that they would be fruitful in their service to the Lord. As they get to know Jesus better, he says, I'm praying that you would bear more fruit. He goes on and he says, and I pray that they would be strengthened, that you would be strengthened with power and endurance and in patience. That would be great this year for you to get a little stronger, to endure a little better. And how about to have a little patience with yourself, with God, with the people that you love and the people that you really don't like? Somebody say amen. He, prayed. He, he also prayed that they would be filled with joy. And then you come to the end of the letter. It's only four chapters long. And as he's close, closing, he says this to them. He started saying, man, I've been praying for you so much. Here's the specifics of what I've even been praying. And then he says, now devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. I've been praying for you, now you pray for us too. Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So pray while I'm in prison that some doors open in the lives of other people that are here that I'll be able to minister even though I am, I'm incarcerated here. Verse 4, he says it again now. And also pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now this is the mighty apostle Paul that saw the risen Jesus with his own eyes and the Holy Spirit downloaded incredible revelation. He's written two-thirds of the New Testament, and he's praying. He's asking, would you pray for me so I don't mess up? Pray that I would really be able to hear and deliver the message clearly. And then he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That's the people that are on this list. Be wise in the way that you act towards these people, that you're praying for them, to, for the eye, their eyes to be open, but be wise in the way you talk, the way that you act around them. 
Make the most of every opportunity <coughs> and let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Gracious and salty. We're, we're going to launch the entire month. We're going to be speaking on the foundation here for the year based on this passage of scripture. So I'm not going to give you everything today. I just want you to see that this is what we're launching the year in. He said, be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I want, I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul says to pray for yourself, to pray for someone that you love that's bound in chains. And he said, and pray for outsiders. This is my call to you to devote yourself to this type of prayer, to these targets of prayer. In fact, I'm just going to call this whole series Devoted. And the first three words of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, is just so powerful. Devote yourselves to prayer. Come on, everybody, say it with me. Devote yourselves to prayer. So I, I, I just want to break down these three words. I want to talk about the word devote. I want to talk about who is the yourselves he's talking about. And I want to talk a little bit at the end about some practical things about prayer. Okay? So I just want to equip us for these next few days and these three weeks of intensive prayer and fasting. I just want you to see that when Paul's writing this letter, he's not just starting some polite greeting, hey, everybody in, in Colossae, I'm the Apostle Paul, I'm praying for you, and then he writes his letter. No, he, that wasn't just a polite greeting. It was an inspired message from the Holy Spirit. And this wasn't a polite closing. This is, he, he is speaking by the Spirit instructions to a congregation. So the first word is devote. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time defining the word devote. You know what it means. It, 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 to devote yourself means to give all or a large portion of your energy, your resources, your time, to something that you value or something that you believe in. If you're going to devote time to your family, it's because you love your family and that you're tired of neglecting your family. If you're going to devote time to something, it's because you value it, you love it, you believe in it. Uh, can I just say this? This is convicting to me because I think that we, when we lack devotion in prayer... I think it's because sometimes we wonder if it really matters. Because God's sovereign, God's big, and does it really matter if I pray or I don't pray? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's really bad theology. And I, I want to help you with that because it matters. And that's why the scripture, not just here, but over and over and over says, look, you need to devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to talking to God because it matters. It matters to God and it should matter to us. There's one thing that's crystal clear in this passage and so many, and that is, is that it's God's will for you to pray to him. 
It's God's will for you to pray. A lot of us, even in this year, we're wondering, is this God's will? Is it God's will for me to move? Is it God's will for me to get married? Is it God's will for me to change this job? We're wondering, is, is it God's will? One thing you don't have to wonder, it's God's will for you to pray and to devote yourself to prayer. So that's my encouragement to you. The call to prayer is just, everybody, I know we take it for granted, but this is the most amazing gift and privilege that the creator of the universe, the, the God of eternity wants to hear you speak to him. I, can it just sit there and resonate? Have you ever thought about that? And, 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 and God, uh, that God has the capacity in his incredible, immense deity and being, he has the capacity to hear your heart and to hear mine. And the heart of all the people that are in this church and all of the people in the kingdom of God, he has the ability to hear and he wants to. <coughs> this is an incredible privilege and it is amazing that when you think about prayer, people, if you go to a bookstore right now and you walk the aisles and you look on the section where it says prayer, you're going to see it's probably one of the biggest um, sections in the store because there's so much written about prayer. There's so much that we could talk about prayer. But prayer in its basic form is you asking God for things. Now, now, I don't want you to get weird about this because he's not Santa Claus and Christmas is over anyhow. The, but the basic foundation of prayer is God wants to hear your request. You are asking God for things. If effective prayer is asking him for the right things, with a right heart. So if, if the basics of prayer is me asking God, then we have to expand that a little bit because I need to ask him the right things with the right heart. In fact, our desires, <coughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Let me put this up on the screen for you. Effective prayer is simply an expression of the desires of a fully devoted and consecrated heart. Would you just meditate on that for just a moment, everybody? Effective prayer is an expression of the desires of a fully devoted and consecrated heart. This is the basics of what I want you to see. Jesus said this in Mark 11, therefore I say to you, whatever things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. It's powerful. This isn't just a magical promise that, you know, if you get down on your knees 
and you ask enough. You, I mean, he's not a genie in the bottle. You're not just going to rub on a lamp on your knees and think that God is just going to poof, show up out of the bottle and give you whatever you're asking for. There are the qualifications of this, I think, is what I'm establishing is that when your desires are fully devoted and your heart is absolutely consecrated to God, then your desires will come into alignment with God's desires and he wants you to pray and possess those things as he responds to your desires. The emphasis isn't on the things I'm making, it's the desires of your consecrated heart. This is amazing that this special privilege of prayer and the fact that God loves to be asked. I'm not sure you're convinced because y'all are kind of just looking at me. Does it really matter that much to God? Let me show you. Proverbs 15, 8. It says that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is, <coughs> say it with me, everybody. Yeah, help me preach a little bit. What is it? The prayer of the upright is? Remember, I told you, this is a wild thing. Crazy. That God wants to hear my voice. He wants to be asked. Everybody, give my wife a little hand right now. Thank you. Oh, that's beautiful, Carrie. Oh, it's so wonderful to be married to a servant like that. Hey, I mean it. I'm not being sarcastic. Give her a hand, everybody. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will rescue you, and, I, and you, will honor, you will honor me. I'm just saying that God, he wants to hear from you. You want more? I'll give you another one. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that, the, my, fa so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. In this season of prayer, look at the screen behind me. In this season of prayer, what does your fully devoted and consecrated heart desire from God? This is a great question. Because if you are just seeking God right now, and you're just praying random prayers, how about we hone in a little bit? Let's become more specific. Let's ask the Lord to show you what it is that you desire him to do in your personal life in the life of your family, that is in alignment with you being devoted fully to the kingdom of God. It's really powerful. And so I would love to know at the end of January what that prayer request is, what those desires, plural, are. And I would ask you to seek the Lord. I'm just as a pastor here calling us to reset our lives with the Lord and consecrate ourselves in prayer 
and ask the Lord to show us. I know, listen, like I said a while ago, we've got some people that may be in here and you're brand new to the kingdom of God. Maybe you never even read the Bible. Maybe, maybe you're just starting or you're just peeking under the hood. And some of you might be, I mean, you're old hands. I mean, you've been, you could preach up here today, but I'm doing it. So just stay where you are. <laughs> you know, and some of you are like, you know, I'm, I'm just ready. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. Anybody ready to go? And then, and then some of you are like, man, I've lost my oomph. I've lost my zeal. Well, this is a great time for you to reset because this isn't playtime anymore for people who love Jesus. The, it, the world is requiring that you be all in or out. And you're going you're gonna to come to that point, probably within this year, where you have to decide, am I all in? Am I fully devoted? Because it's time to stop playing games and being halfway in. Give me a big amen. amen. So be devoted to prayer. This was a command that Jesus gave his followers over and over and over. I mean, you remember when Jesus went to the garden right before he was arrested? He went to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. You, you can find this in Matthew 26. And when he went to the garden, remember, he took Peter, James, and John with him, those three, and he said, come with me and watch and pray. And then it says, and Jesus went a little bit further. And when he went further and he prayed for a little while, he came back as in the middle of the night and they were sleeping. He shook them and woke them up. He said, come on, guys. I told you to watch and pray. And he even said, I know that your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. So you better watch. Watch out for your flesh. Don't let your flesh control it. He went and he prayed. They fell asleep again. I think it happened three times. Didn't it happen three times? It happened three times. And then finally, he got arrested. The point is, I wanted you to see, is that he brought three with him to pray. And then, if you come to the upper room, Jesus told 120 in Acts chapter 1 and 2, he said, after he had risen from the dead and he appeared to them, he said, I want you to wait here in the city until you receive power from on high. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He said, I want you to go in the upper room. That's the same area where they had the Passover meal, the Last Supper. He said, I, I want you to stay there, and I want you to wait until you receive the promise of the Father, which is the empowering and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there were 120 of them there. In Acts chapter 1, 14, these that were there were all of one mind and were continually devoting, there's our word, devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. I love that. And his brothers. So his intimate family's there. 120 are there and they're devoting themselves to prayer. Three kind of struggled, but Jesus tried to commit them to prayer. 120. And then when you come to Acts chapter two, uh, two after the Holy Spirit is, is, has been poured out and Peter's been preaching, thousands have come to Jesus and it says that they, the three to 5,000 new converts, were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and to what? Everybody say it. Prayer. So um, my, my point I'm making is that the Lord was calling his people to prayer. He called them in groups of two or threes. He even expanded it to bigger groups of 120. You know, we have a lot more than 120 in here right now. 
He even, he even expanded it further to thousands of people praying together. What I'm, what I'm wanting you to see is that when the Apostle Paul said, devote yourselves to prayer, he wasn't just talking about you, singular. He was talking to a congregation, the congregation, all of you saints that live in the city of Colossae, devote yourselves, plural, to praying with one another and watching to see what God's doing in the spirit and stay thankful. It is, it is this foundation that I'm using as a pastor to call us to congregational prayer. There is something powerful about us devoting ourselves. Devote yourselves to prayer. The you in yourselves is the plural application of this congregation. And so, so I'm, I'm trying not to be fussy. I don't want to come across as being grumpy. But come on, man, join in. Don't, don't, don't just say, well, you know, it's, I'm okay with just that core of Christian lifers praying together on Saturdays or in their, in their small groups or whatever. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know about anybody on a card. Hey, I'm calling this congregation to devote yourselves to prayer, not just for these next three weeks, but for this entire... My desire is that a culture shift happens in our church and in this city, and our house, the house of God, becomes, it becomes famously known as a place of prayer, a house of prayer, even for the nations. You know, I was so blessed. Yesterday, you know, there was a small group of men that were praying. They're doing a 21-day challenge. They're just doing it on their own. There was another group off campus that was praying that I got sent a picture of and an invitation to. And then there were, I don't know, 80 to 100 people in here yesterday praying. I, I, I love this. I love the fact that over the, the beginning of this year, that you are going to find somebody to pray with you, and you're going to find somebody to pray for. And if you don't have anybody, you're just going to show up. If you're a man, get here on Saturday. Hey, if, you, if you're like, you know, I feel like I'm by myself, call Sean. He was up here leading worship today. Sean, raise your hand. Call Sean. He'll hook you up. Sean, Sean will partner with you, or he will make sure that you have some brothers that surround you. And if you're a female and you need prayer, I ask one of our incredible leaders. They're all over this place. And the, 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 the women are leading the charge here at Christian Life Church. Just find one of them and get into the flow. Listen, everybody. I want to see spontaneous, unscheduled outbreaks of spirit-led prayer. And I think when we see that, we will see a move of God that will be transforming not just to you and our church, but to the city and beyond. Can I just tell you one of the things that blesses me more than anything else, particularly on Sunday mornings, it'll happen after church today. And some of you are scurrying away to try to get your kids fed or diapers changed and all that kind of stuff, but lots of you are just kind of lingering around afterwards. You know, this is a gathering of your best friends, you know. It's like in 
and you don't, and you don't want to leave. That's a sign of a real healthy church when I'm like ready to blink the lights on and off. So <laughs> I got things to do and y'all are still just hanging out. In fact, I hire people so I can go home. <laughs> My pastor told me to walk slowly at the end of church, just walk slowly through the crowd so anybody that wants to visit with you can talk to you. I don't think he knew what he was asking of me because y'all never go home. I love that, everybody. I love that so much. i tell you what else I love is that when I'm done ministering my part and I'm just visiting and I look over there and there's a huddle about three or four people praying with somebody and I look over here and there's another huddle of two or three and they're gathering around and they're praying and I walk out in the parking lot and, and people are gathered around a car and they're calling down fire from heaven and they're rebuking the devil and prayer is being had. And I walk over there to the, the room and there's teenagers or middle schoolers that are in there and they're on their face praying to God. I got a, I got a text message last night where it was it, the young adults are at, at the mountains just having a good time of fellowship. Last night was TV night. And so they were going to watch a movie together. There's about 30 of them, you know. They're just hanging out. And I got, an, I got a text last night where Nina said, they don't really want to watch TV. They only want to do this. And you know what they were doing? They were all just worshiping and praying. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. So we've got to devote ourselves. There's a call to the entire congregation. Don't miss it. There's power when we pray together. Again, I tell you, Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth asking anything, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven because where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. If you have ever gone through, I'm talking about a legit crisis. I'm talking about life and death. I'm talking about urgent, an urgent need. and you have somebody to pray with you, I'm talking about somebody that's legit. Somebody that is so sincere and in tune with God. And if you have that, let me say it this way. I'd rather have one or two people that I know would storm heaven for me that would pray all night long if necessary, that would show up in the hospital room before I go in the surgery. I would have, I'd rather have one or two than have thousands that would just give an insincere, non-urgent, half-hearted prayer lifted up. I don't care what happens on social media. Give me some prayer partners when I need them. That's what's valuable in the kingdom of God. And if, you, and, if you, and if you value prayer and believe that it's real and it matters, then you can devote yourself to it. If you're struggling to devote yourself to it, you need to go back to God and say, will you open up my understanding and give me an increase of faith so that I will know that I know that I know that you want me to ask you for things and you want to respond. In 2024, can I call us to a deeper devotion of prayer? 
Can I? All right, let's just talk about prayer. Let me give you about five minutes here. I said it just a few minutes ago. Devote yourselves. Get all in. All of us collectively. Let's create a culture of prayer with one another. And pray. So I said it a few minutes ago. There's all types of prayer. Everybody has written books on it. I, I think we probably are overloaded with the knowledge of prayer and lack the motivation or the mobilization of prayer probably more than any other area in the, in the, Christ, in the kingdom of God. I think, I, th I think where James said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. And so I don't think you need another great big teaching on prayer. I just think you need to pray. I think you need to ask God for the things that come out of a consecrated heart, that come into alignment with what you think and know that God's doing in your life. Ask him for those things. Don't assume that they're just going to happen because he's good. You need to ask. He wants to be asked. He wants you to pray to him. And so the devotion to prayer just really means spend some time seeking the Lord and stay in an attitude that's asking and faith. Devotion is really about a sold-out dependence upon God more than it is about, about lengthiness in prayer. But there are some practical elements that the Apostle Paul gives to us here that are really important. And the first one, he says, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful. Being watchful and thankful. Can I just highlight that for just a moment? I think we miss so many opportunities to pray and receive a victory because we're not being watchful. We just miss it. If the baby's sick and you're watching the baby cough, pray. Pray first. Hello. If, if, the, if your ladies, if your husband's job is stressing him out and you're watching it, be watchful in the spirit. I mean, what would he do if you know that he's so stressed out he doesn't even want to go to work and you get out of bed and before he leaves, you lay a big sloppy kiss on his cheek and then you lay your hands on his ears and you say, husband of mine, I'm praying for you right now that the devil is defeated in your life and that today you will prosper. God will give you creative ideas. You're going to find a passion and you will be successful today in the name of Jesus. There's some husbands in here. If your wife did that, you'd just fall over dead. You'd be like, you'd be like Sanford and son. What happened, Elizabeth? I'm coming home to be with you. I just dated myself. Sorry. Hey, hey on, the, on the flip side, it's, uh, brothers, let me tell you, if something's bothering your wife and you know it, I'm so sick of her just not talking to me. She's just so moody. You know it. Are you watchful or are you just watching her? Oh, I'm preaching really good right now. Because if you're watching in prayer and you're watching in the spirit, if you're watchful, then you just lay your hands on her and say, honey, 
Let me tell you something. I, you are going to get your victory. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that everything the devil's doing to cause you to, to be depressed and discouraged, I'm praying against that right now. We're going to get the victory in Jesus' name. The devil's got to go. Now, what can I do? All right, it's not very many applause. I thought you would probably be very excited about that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, think about outsiders. If you're watchful, you got a guy or a family member that doesn't know the Lord and you're praying for them to get saved. We just read where Paul says, watch for opportunities. Be alert to them, be watchful. And you see them going through a crisis. And you know what? If you are really watchful, then you just kind of step through that open door in that opportunity and say, I'm really sorry that you're struggling. I don't know if this is uncomfortable for you or not, but I want to pray with you right now that God will help you get victory through this storm you're going through. That's being watchful and alert. And he said, and be thankful. Let your prayer, be thankful when you are praying. Now, I'm, listen to me, everybody. The reason why this is so important is because thankfulness is the best environment where prayer will flourish. I, I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Because when you are unthankful and ungrateful, you just can't really even pray effectively. And when you're going through something, I don't care how difficult it is, there's always something to be thankful for. There's always something that God has done. There's always a hand, the hand of God operating. And if you're thankful for that, and you say, well, I, I, I know that I'm in a drought, but I see a little bitty cloud of blessing about the size of a man's hand, start thanking him for that little bitty cloud of his blessing, his provision. You be thankful for that. Hey, and you keep praying in that environment, it's not over for me. I know the devil is threatening. I know it's, the land is thirsty. I know I don't have much. But I see a little cloud about the size of a man's hand, and it is going to increase and increase and increase because God is going to provide for me and my family. If you're not thankful and you're not grateful, then the environment for prayer all of a sudden dries up. It's like it doesn't even matter. See, every time I pray, nothing happens. So the Apostle Paul has given us wisdom. Is, is, is God speaking to any of you? All right. I think I got two Sundays worth of notes here, so let me just bring this to a close. Um, I'm going on a trip. We'll talk about it in a minute. But when I come back, we can do more of this. I just want to set you in. I just, I just want to set some direction. Me and Carrie went to Baton Rouge last week. Right after, right after Christmas, we took our family. We went down to see my dad. He's 82 years old, and he may be watching today. And my brother, and he watched these services all the time. My sister-in-law, too. And so we went down to see him. We, we brought our new grandbaby down so dad could hang out with him. It's those of, some of you remember, they, they, my family came up when we dedicated Asa. But they haven't seen him since then. And so we loaded up the whole family and we head down to Baton Rouge. And it's, it's a quite an undertaking to get all our schedules to work. And on the way down there, my dad, who had just had COVID, got over COVID, 
and we're thinking he's in the clear. We're going to Baton Rouge. And on the way down there, he started getting sick again. And, and my brother, while we're driving down, my brother took him to the doctor, and he tested positive for the flu and RSV. And the doctor said, don't you be around that baby. And your, brother, and, and your son that's getting ready to go on a, a mission trip, don't you even be around him. And so our whole family went down there for the purpose, and I was so bummed about it. But you know, there's something to be thankful for. Hello? And I remembered this past this verse, and I thought, you know, I had a bad attitude. I'm like, we spent all this money, all this time. My whole family could have just stayed in Tennessee, and we could have all come together. If I knew my whole family in Baton Rouge was going to be sick. But then I got to thinking, we got a lot to be thankful for. Because my dad's not in ICU on a vent. And so I double masked. I said, devil, you are a liar. And I went over there and me and my brother, we prayed over my dad twice. And a couple days later, after we got back, he sounds just, just about completely normal now. My point is that thankfulness creates an environment for faith and keeps you in the game. And some of you need to get your thanks back on so that you can get back into the game in regards to prayer. Now, that's a good sermon. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Get a plan for prayer. For this year, get a plan. What my, my encouragement to you to do is to find a time and a place. And it's good, you could set a limit 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, I don't know. Just get a plan and write it down and devote yourself to that plan. Get all in with that plan. This is when and where I'm going to seek the Lord. Not just these three next three weeks, but this is where I'm going to frequently devote myself to prayer. And here's the plan that I do. When I'm, I'm, I do a lot of praying when I'm walking or when I'm just alone. I'm, I'm usually up moving early in the morning. And normally what I do is I pray out of concentric circles. Uh, Casey created a, a, a graph for me. You see that, everybody? I, this is the way that I... This is a plan that I use. It's real simple. I start by praying for myself. You know what? Because I've, I, if my heart's not consecrated and not right, and I've gotten sloppy and sinful, I need to repent and get right with God. So what, what, what good does it do to pray for everybody else if I'm being sloppy and I'm, not, and, and I'm not right with God? So I need to start right with me, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So I'm going to start first with me. And then I, then I go through my family. I, I, I pray for, for Carrie. I pray for my kids, my grandkids. There's a bunch of them. And I just start praying out from center, out that way. And then I start praying over the church family. I pray over our leadership team. I pray over you. I, you know, I, I don't call all of you by name every time I pray. I wish I could. First of all, I can't remember all of your names, but if I could, I would. I just pray as the Lord brings certain ones to my 
remembrance. Or if I know somebody's going through something, they're at the top of my list. And, I, and you, you guys know because I've sent you texts, I've, uh, I've called you and said, hey, I'm praying for you. When I was praying for you, this is what the Lord said. I start here, I go there, I go out. And then that circle goes out also to lost family members and friends. And so, some of you say, Pastor Ron, I try to pray, but in five minutes, I'm out. I don't know what else to pray. Well, you start praying like this and you'll be like, I need some more time. Because I didn't hardly even get through with my family. You got stuck on praying about your own stony heart, you know? And I'm, I'm just telling you that you just need a simple plan. This is the basics. What is your desires for God to do in your life, in your family, in your church family, and with those lost people that are close to you? What do you desire? Pray it and stay with it, even if... He's not moving. It looks like he hasn't heard. And you say, well, I don't know what to pray for them. Let me give you another. I'll give you another clue. Pray the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are wonderful. Put, put that up on the screen. I think you have that. The Beatitudes is Matthew 5, verse 3. There it is. Look, here's a perfect, here's a perfect prayer list. Pray for those in that list that are just poor in spirit, that they would have experienced the kingdom of God. Pray for those who are struggling that need to be comforted. Just, just add that to the list. Holy Ghost, go comfort. Pray for, pray for those that are meek, that they will inherit the earth. In other words, you, you can pray for their financial blessing. Pray for their prosperity. You could pray for those that don't know the Lord or are falling away that they would get a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. You could pray also that they would be filled with the Spirit and filled with righteousness. And you could pray for those that need mercy because they're really playing with fire. The way they're living right now, come on, God, be merciful. Come on, God, show mercy. Let me tell you something. If you just use the Beatitudes and you've prayed it through those concentric circles, you will, your prayer life would be transformed in this coming year. That's my plan for this year. I, it, I would love for you to join me in this. Let's just get in a pattern where we are praying through the scripture for those people that are important to us, and we're praying according to the will of God. And I think that we'll see a culture of prayer develop here at Christian Life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right, stand to your feet, everybody. God is good. I just wonder if there's anybody in here on this first Sunday of 2024 that you are not devoted. You've only been halfway in. And you already, you already know that this is your year to come all the way in. And to become a devoted follower of Jesus. Everybody, would you just bow your heads right now? Come on, everybody. Let's give, we're just going to give a little bit of privacy for people that might be a little bit uncomfortable, worried what people might think. We're going to meet you where you are, not where we want you to be. If you're in here, I don't care if you're young or old or male or female or a teenager or a gray-haired person. If you're in here and you're like, man, I... This is my year, 
And Pastor Ron, would you pray with me to get right with God? I'm ready to do that right now. And our church family is ready to do that right now with you. We've all been there. But if that's you, would you slip up a hand and let me see? Do we have anybody like that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, there's too many to count. I'm going to stop counting. You can put your hands down. I'm so proud of you that you are responding to the call of God to come all in. This is the year of salvation. I know it's a religious word, but it really means saved. That's another kind of religious word. It means that you are saved from your sins and the penalty of your sins. That's salvation. And it comes because you're trusting that Jesus paid the price for it. That you might have it. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, the whole church can pray it. We're resetting. Reset your life today. Say, Father God. Come on, pray it loud where I can hear. Say, Father God. I want to devote myself to you. I've let some things slip. Things that are not pleasing to God. But you paid for my sin. You shed your blood on a cross. And I repent of my sin and I trust in your blood. I put my faith in that work. I'm saved by the grace of God. Through faith in that grace. So I surrender my life to you. And I'm ready to devote myself to follow you. To become a disciple of Christ. Change me. Deliver me. Receive me. And help me. I just, I just know that in my spirit, there's an unseen thing that's working right now in your life. Some of you really prayed that prayer, and it wasn't words. It was more than words. It was the inner desires of God, of your heart reaching out to God. And I want you to know that the God who hears, who delights in your prayer, he heard you just now. And he's answering you. Can we give him praise for that, everybody? <laughs> Listen, on that little QR card, there's a place where you can respond. And you can let us know that you prayed that prayer. And we'll have a team that'll reach out to you. Or you, after the service, you can come and see me. Yes. And... Um, There'll also, be a, there'll also be a card in the back. Hey, I see a bunch of people moving. I've got something that's really big that I need our church to stay together and connect with. If you could just give me five minutes, everybody. 
What we're going to do is close the online portion of the service right now. And so all of you guys that are online, thank you for being in church with us today. We're going to see you later. Hey, stay connected in prayer. Let us know how you're doing so we can track with you. Okay, let's close that service out. So our, our team is closing out the online portion of the service.